listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us today. We have a special guest that I'm excited to interview. He's actually from my hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We met through mutual friends, actually not even on the subject of real estate. I kind of went to him for some consulting on, on some marketing and and through our initial conversation, it came to me that he had a tremendous amount of, of real estate experience and background and, and I just couldn't wait to get him on my show. So Justin Caballero, welcome to the show. Sterling, thanks for having me, man. Pleasure to be here. And it's, it's awesome to connect with another uh, person from Baton Rouge. I feel like it doesn't happen too often, you know, just in the business world with me living in Tampa, Florida now. Absolutely. So during our, our introduction, I forgot to mention. So Justin is the CEO of Social X, a marketing company, and he is also the chief operating officer of 6-5 Capital, where he's raising money for apartment complexes. So I wanted to dive in a little bit more about what he's doing with his marketing company to help real estate investors and what he's doing with 6-5 Capital to start buying some big buildings. So can you just kick us off? Tell us your, your story. I, I heard it the other day and I loved all your background and experience with real estate and how you started and how it transitioned into what you're doing today. Yeah, definitely. So... I kind of started in real estate in, in high school. My dad has been in the real estate and mortgage business for pretty much his entire life since he was about 18 years old. And so I kind of grew up around that, always having an eye and, and kind of a sense of awareness for real estate and the possibilities around real estate. He has raised many mortgage funds, different investment funds to buy distressed property as well. So, you know, in the summers in high school, I would work for him. I would go here and there to some of his different properties that whether he'd be buying or, or renovating or looking at buying, whatever. So I kind of just would pick up on the, the terminology and started getting a little grasp for it in high school. I always kind of knew that I wanted to, to be wealthy and would just start studying, you know, the habits of successful people, how they built their wealth, etc. And it seemed to me that it always came back to real estate in one facet or another, whether they built their wealth directly through real estate or they got wealthy and then put it in real estate for long-term wealth accumulation and cash flow. So I said, there's definitely something to this. Then when I went to college in the summers, I'd work for my dad in Memphis, go out there, find properties to buy for him, oversee the renovations, etc. He was working with a fund that was buying all over, all over the country. And he was in charge of the East Coast and Southeast operations. Why Memphis specifically? They just identified that as a market that they wanted to buy single family properties in, fix them up and resell them. Or, I mean, they had a couple of different strategies, but simply put, that's what they were doing. So I would go drive around and, and look at all the different properties, oversee the renovations, etc. Cool. So yep. awesome experience at such a young age. So I didn't even know real estate investing existed until I was 30. And mm-hmm. now learning some of the like, w- w- the way you describe it, just the basic day-to-day operations of, you know, how to oversee a rehab or how to identify opportunities, things that I had to learn the hard way in my early mm-hmm. 30s. So having that exposure to that, you know, in your late teens, early 20s must have given you a huge head start. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I didn't realize I was building that that foundation even when I was doing that back then. But looking back, that really was the first, you know, few steps for me in my real estate journey. 
and did lay a good foundation that I was able to continue to build on top of. Kind of the, the next step in that real estate journey for me would, would be working for a student housing developer. So I was working for a boutique student housing developer, went to college at Ole Miss, and he was developing all throughout the Southeast. So we had projects at Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, obviously, Vanderbilt. And then he also had a couple of ACC schools like Florida State. He also had UGA. No LSU? Um, he was looking at LSU. So he was trying to, I was trying to find different opportunities for him at LSU. The thing was that, man, LSU just got flooded all at once around this time. And they just had massive, massive developments going up all around Burbank. You know, the cottages and all of that stuff was being developed around then. It's pretty much just looking like it was going to be overbuilt. And if you look at a CoStar report today, which I did, it has been. <laughs> right. So we saw that. And I was looking at potentially some smaller opportunities. I still have circled on my map where I want some, some different opportunities that I may potentially go after in the future. Some smaller ones, but really niche locations around the LSU campus. But anyways... Worked for him for about two and a half years, started just doing marketing and leasing part-time, had really good success with that. And I would just consistently have, you know, long conversations and and pick his brain, continue to learn about the multifamily side of things. He was kind enough to kind of take me under his wing and mentor me and teach me a lot about the apartment business, particularly around student housing. And started to see the numbers, started to see the scalability and the economies of scale around apartments which I found very uh, enticing and it just made sense. It just makes so much more sense to me than single family houses. So that really kind of shifted my mindset. And from that point on, I've always kind of known that my wealth building journey would, would have a heavy hand in apartment investing. That's my long-term goal is to build a very large portfolio of cash flowing real estate, particularly in multifamily. And that's kind of my end game there. So I've been taking pretty much everything I've done has has led up to this point. I should mention that three years ago, after I graduated college, I was hired full-time for that student housing developer, managed his four apartment complexes at Ole Miss and was also helping with the development of some of his projects, just kind of here and there overseeing and helping where I could at his other projects throughout the Southeast. And then actually my mom got sick. I went home to Baton Rouge, took care of her. She passed away. And after that, it was kind of like, all right, what's next step in my, in my journey? Ended up in Tampa, Florida three years ago, where I started a real estate renovation business called Total Property Solutions with my father. We've renovated about 250 properties, a little over 250 single family properties since then. And where I am now is just focusing on apartment investing through 6.5 Capital, which I have one partner named Sterling Perkins and on that deal with me. Awesome. So let's back up a little bit. And I do definitely want to hear more about 6.5 Capital. I'd love to go deeper into that because I think most of our listeners are considering syndication or experienced syndicators. So it's definitely a hot topic for for this show. Mm -hmm. But I want to back up a little bit to the properties you and your dad renovated in Tampa. You said 250 properties. What were you renovating these properties for? Were these your properties that you were renovating to flip or to hold as rentals? Or were you, was it more of like you were a contractor doing renovations for other investors? 
Yep, great question. So we were a renovation management company. We are a renovation management company. I don't spend most of my time on that business right now, but Total Property Solutions works with private equity firms. So we were going to banks and different private equity firms that had a portfolio of distressed assets or foreclosed properties, REO properties. And there were these were vacant houses that we were going in and essentially saying, look, this is the game plan of what needs to be fixed up for this property to be able to sell it for top retail value. And then we would execute upon that. And we were not just in Tampa. So we've renovated, I want to say in 20 to 25 different states, a big bulk of that was in the REO heavy states where you still had the foreclosures coming through the very slow processes of foreclosure in New Jersey, New York, Maryland, did a bunch in Ohio, Florida as well. So I think over, I want to say the number was like 105 of those properties were actually just in the state of New Jersey. So I got to know that state pretty well. Another probably 30, 40 of those were in Florida. And then you're looking at a dozen in Maryland, a dozen in Illinois outside of the suburbs of Chicago, a dozen or so in Ohio. And then the rest were kind of just scattered all over the place. So you're renovating these properties for the banks that own them or for the private equity firms that are trying to take them off the bank? Both, right. So most of them were owned by private equity firms that had bought them in the secondary market, were investing in non-performing notes, trying to make them re-performing and then selling them. However, the ones that they were not able to do a loan modification or work out a deal with the owner and they were foreclosed on, either when they bought them or they had a foreclose, they would send to us, we would fix them up and get them back on the market. Got it. So we saw a lot of nasty properties. I mean, every issue that you could run into renovating a house, I guarantee you we've run into it. Awesome. So how did you transition from, it doesn't sound like you transitioned at all, that, that business is still still going correctly. Yeah, it's going at a, at a smaller scale. I mean, if you look at the REO market, there's essentially none. <laughs> the economy has been so good for so long that it's, it's a very small market. I do expect that market to pick back up given the current COVID uh, mess that's going on. There's a forbearance on foreclosures right now. Obviously, that's going to end within a couple of months, but then you have the foreclosure process. You have some states taking a long time. You have the more business-friendly states that have a shorter time period for that. So that market will pick back up, but kind of our niche was, and a lot of it goes back to my dad's experience in the being a, being a note investor himself, was working on that niche of working on the private equity firms with people who are investing in distressed mortgages. Awesome. Cool. So mm-hmm. let, let's jump gear over to 6.5 Capital. How, how did that start? How is it going? What specific type of asset classes and what specific markets are you focusing on? Yeah, definitely. So we really like the, the Florida markets. So let me back up a little bit. About seven or eight months ago, I started 6.5 Capital with my business partner, Sterling Perkins. I'm more of the, the real estate side of things as far as operations, renovation management, creating relationships with different brokers and the deal flow side of things. So more of the COO role on that side. And then he's more of the, the deal analysis. He's super analytical. So we're kind of the yin and yang from that perspective. And he's also, he's just like a finance wizard. It's, he's really, really smart. So anyways, that's, that's my business partner there. We started about seven or eight months ago and started looking for value add opportunities in and around the Tampa, Florida 
market. We really like this market. Uh, if you look at the economic drivers, huge amount of opportunity and economy growth. You got guys like Bill Gates and Jeff Vinick, who owns the Tampa Bay Lightning, investing $3 billion just a couple blocks from me in downtown Tampa in a really cool project called Water Street. But the underlying fundamentals are really strong in Tampa. It's still got a ton of room for growth. So we really love this market. Institutional capital is really starting to invest more and more heavily here. And for good reason, we believe. We also like the Jacksonville market, the Orlando market, a little shaky right now, especially with the COVID stuff, but that was growing aggressively there. So we had an eye on looking at properties there, but really our number one market that we want to invest in is, is Tampa, Florida. And we're looking for value add opportunities, really B class properties in A class neighborhoods. We made a couple LOIs on these properties, on these types of properties, but within the past six, seven months, really only early on in the, in the venture before another deal came up, which I'll tell you about in a second, but people just came in and they were paying prices that we didn't believe we couldn't make the numbers work. And we sure. weren't trying to fudge the numbers. We, we had about $12 million and we have about $12 million in capital raised right now, but we didn't want to put it into a deal and not give the returns that, that we're promising investors. So that's a tremendous amount of capital to have been raised for your first deal. Do you have any tips or tricks you could share with our listeners about how you'd go about raising so much capital? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was just uh, relationships that were already built over time. And I think leveraging the, 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 the resumes and the knowledge and, and saying, look, this is exactly what we're looking for. This is the exact game plan. And we're qualified to do this because of our experience and how we're going to how we're going to renovate the properties, how we're going to manage the renovations, how we're going to manage the property management, et cetera. It was actually just a handful of phone calls. And then we really haven't tried to raise any sense. Always happy to talk to new investors and people looking to find good opportunities, but it's not like we had some magic secret touch. It was kind of just talking with our contacts already. Got it. And the reason I ask is with your strong marketing background, I just wondered if you had built out some type of investor portal, investor platform with some massive content distribution to funnel them in like, like so many other people talk about. So I'm like you, everybody who's wanted to invest in me, I've known them years, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I haven't raised any money through these super complex marketing strategies that involve drawing people into the websites, but you see a lot of others doing that. So Mm -hmm. With such a large number, I, I just could and and your marketing background, I, I couldn't mm -hmm. help but wonder if if there was something there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I should I should note that I do leverage social media platforms quite a bit to tell people what I'm doing. That's actually how me and my business partner Sterling now have were able to kind of build a relationship early on, which has led to more and more business lunches and, and meeting and, and building a friendship and then deciding to partner with one another. But I was sharing the fact that number one, all of my real estate renovation projects, I was sharing them on Instagram. And then also my interest in multifamily, talking about multifamily deals, projects, my game plan to invest in multifamily, et cetera. And then we kind of converged and came together and formed a business together around that. Awesome. I actually met my business partner the same way. And let me just go on record saying that your business partner has a really solid name. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. I was just talking to him about an hour and a half ago and told him that I had a, a podcast interview with or conversation, I should say, with another Sterling. I actually just, I don't, I'm not sure if you've heard of him, Sterling White. He does a lot of contributions for Bigger Pockets, but I have him I'm going to interview in a few weeks. And nice. we set that up yesterday and I just found it ironic. You know, I walk around for 30 years, not bumping into another Sterling and here I'm run, running into two of them in two days. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, you know, Sterling would be another person that, that I'll introduce you to that you should definitely connect with. Absolutely. Uh, really, really good person, really smart guy. And you guys would hit it off for sure. Also owns a few hundred units of apartment complexes. Cool. We'd love to hear from him. Do you want to touch on briefly what distracted you from closing your, your first? Yeah, I guess I can't deal? just leave. I can't, I guess I can't just leave the cliffhanger. So about six months ago, we actually stopped looking for new value add investment opportunities. Uh, Cause we've had our handful onboarding a large trust management client. So essentially a previous contact came to us and said, Hey, I want you guys to take over the management of my real estate portfolio and his entire trust, which is predominantly just a super large multifamily real estate portfolio scattered out the, the Northeast United States. And basically the game plan with that is, is to sell the assets up there and then reposition the assets here in the, in the Florida market. So we're super excited about that. Don't want to go into too much detail because it's still, still in the works. We're kind of crossing, crossing the T's, dotting the I's at this point, just wrapping it all up, trying to get it across the goal line. But uh, super excited about that. It's, it's definitely a, a really big opportunity for us. And really, we, our game plan is to continue to grow the trust management side of the business. So start with this client and then add other large trust of $100 million in, in multifamily assets plus. So our focus is going to be on on real estate trust management, particularly in the multifamily space. Awesome. That does sound exciting. I'd love to hear uh, updates on that as it comes along. Let's dive into Social X for a minute. I'd love for you yep. to elaborate on the last time we spoke, you said y'all were focusing a lot on helping real estate investors. And just mm-hmm. from the few meetings I've had with y'all, I mean, y'all have a, an awesome platform and business plan, and I, I can't wait to implement some of these strategies. So I'd love to share with the rest of our listeners how you can help them and what your ideas around building out a robust marketing strategy for, for real estate investing. Absolutely. Yep. So I know we talked about a couple of different things. So I guess I should preface this with, you know, Social X, we're, we're a business consulting firm. We do help our clients with a lot of different marketing. We're pretty popular for our virtual assistant staffing solutions as well, which we utilize virtual assistants from the Philippines. We vet them, recruit them, train them up, and implement them successfully into our clients' businesses with a very high-touch, hands-on approach with our clients. And we help manage that entire process. And these virtual assistants do help us do a lot of different lead generation, whether that's direct outreach, managing the operating system, which we built on Monday, which I would love to touch on a little bit more, as well as just helps you delegate a lot of the administration type tasks that really all business centers have to do, but real estate investors, it's very popular as well. So some of the most popular things for real estate investors in particular would be creating lists, cleaning the list, you know, skip tracing them, data cleanup, data entry around those lists to get a really good data set, whether that's you're trying to contact investors, owners, 
brokers, wholesalers, et cetera. They can get you in front of whoever you're trying to get in contact with. So that's kind of the, the lead generation side of things. On the, the back-end operations and admin side of things, we utilize these virtual assistants and our team helps consult our clients on building out a really strong system. And we do that in a platform called monday.com. It is a very, it's one of the newer platforms. It's very intuitive. It's really easy to use. It's, it's a very modern solution for business owners. And we've built out around our consulting framework. We've really built that around monday.com to be able to duplicate a lot of the assets that we've created internally for our business and our other clients' businesses and be able to duplicate and replicate that for new clients that come on. You mentioned specifically the real estate investor side of things. What I'm doing right now is I'm taking this consulting framework that we've built out and I'm implementing it into specifically 6.5 Capital and our other real estate investing clients. So working with two wholesalers right now to help them build out their lead generation and marketing functionality in monday.com. I'm also pulling over all the renovation management software that actually built out on another system. So that's, that's kind of a big project that I'm working on is it's going to take several more weeks, but I built out in quick base, very robust renovation management system. Basically the, the system that we use to manage all these renovations, managing up to 55, 60 renovations over 15 different States at the peak of total property solutions. I'm just pulling it over into Monday right now as well. Uh, so basically we want an entire real estate investor suite built out in monday.com that then we can share with our, our consulting clients via social X. Awesome. I feel like I kind of just threw a lot at you. I don't know if that was just, <laughs> that was just a steady flow of, of thought that came out. So I hope that was coherent and made sense. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think everybody can find value in that. So what advice do you have for, anybody who's looking to get into real estate investing, what first steps would you say to take off? You've had a tremendous amount of experience and exposure and it seems like every avenue from rehabbing single family houses to managing properties to raising funds to invest to now managing large fund trusts. So I'm mm -hmm. curious, somebody that wasn't bred into it like yourself and have that background from, you know, managing property since high school, how would you recommend some, you know, the average guy who's just looking to get started? Where would you recommend they start? So I think there's two main things. Really it all starts with education, right? So getting that solid foundation of real estate education. So I actually majored in real estate in college. But on top of that, I had two main mentors that I would meet with regularly in person and over the phone, that being number one being my father, and then number two being Pat Chisholm, who introduced me to the, the apartment space, the multifamily space, who was my old boss. He was the student housing developer. and still is. I mean, he's still developing all throughout the Southeast. So they really taught me a ton. And then on top of that, I was listening to, I know you're very active in the community, bigger pockets all the time, listening to all those podcasts, listen to Michael Blank or Michael Block, yeah. his podcast. I've listened to a ton of episodes of that. And then I've also was, just started reading real estate books. Obviously, every real estate investor on the face of the earth, I believe, have, has read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. That was the book I picked up when I was 19. And I was like, wow, that makes a lot of, this all makes a lot of sense. This is just too 
too simple. Like it, it really opened my mind. And that's really when I became obsessed with personal development, professional development and, and all of that because it opened my eyes so much. I felt like I could just see so much more of the world. I just felt sure. so much smarter. So that's, I just started diving into tons of books at that point. So mentorship, hands-on experience is obviously huge. And then education, which you can just learn from books and podcasts consistently. And then take everything that you learn from the, the books, the podcasts, and your mentors, and then actually go, go to work. You know, implement it. Speed of implementation, I think, is something that's highly undervalued and underrated. Yeah, absolutely. So let's finish up with our radio round just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. First of all, what's your Mm -hmm. favorite book? And don't say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because every guest we've ever had has said that. (laughs) Even though that is the, the, like I just said, the book that really opened my eyes, I would have to say either Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is the number two and three books I read after Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Those two and Rich Dad, Poor Dad are the three books that I tell everyone who asks me that you got to read first is like foundational books. Sure. Also, I know you only asked me for one, but I'm going to give two more that I love. Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins, Collins, I believe. And then Principles by Ray Dalio. I think those are the two perhaps the two best business books out there. Traction is yeah. really good as well. Awesome. Well, you, in, my, in my opinion. Most of those I agree with you on, but I think you've added a couple to my reading list. I, I don't believe I've ever read Principles, though I've studied a good bit of Ray Dalio, mm-hmm. and I haven't read Traction, but I'll definitely add those to my list for the next time we get together. Next question is, what is your favorite quote? Hmm. I feel like you gave me so many books because you knew you weren't going to have a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to say the cheesy anything is possible, although I, I do believe that. I wouldn't say a quote is much more of a just a mindset of, and I guess it could be summarized in, in the whole thing is any, anything is possible. But my mom really instilled the belief in me at a young age that anything is possible and your only limitations are those that you set for yourself. Yeah. So I struggle with the fact that the entire world doesn't know and believe that wholeheartedly. That's something that like frustrates me to no end. I like, you see a lot of times you do see a quote and and I don't even know that it's from the movie, but you'll see a poster from the Wolf of Wall Street with a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio. And Mm -hmm. it says like, the only thing standing between you and your dream is the bullshit story you tell yourself as to why you can't achieve it. And it's, it's so true. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a good summary of of what you just said. So Mm -hmm. definitely, definitely feel you on that. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? I do really enjoy to work just because I love what I do, but I would have to say I love to play basketball. It's been brutal not being able to to play during COVID. They actually took the rims off the basketball courts by my <laughs> And then I also just love to to go to the beach and go on the boat. That's kind of a, a great way for me to to detox. I'm actually going to Seaside, Florida this this weekend, so I'm pretty pumped about that. Awesome. Awesome. So where can our listeners find out more about you? Where can they get access to your businesses? Where, how can they invest with you? I mean, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So you can go to 65capital.com or socialxsolutions.com. 
You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, just type in Justin Caballero, C-A-B-A-L-L-E-R-O. Or if you're on Instagram, I'm pretty active on there, at JCAB, which is at J-C-A-B as in boy on Instagram. Just shoot me a message and you know, tell me you came from this podcast and would love to connect with anybody that's listening. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. I learned a ton. I know our listeners will too. And I really look forward to working with you in the future. Absolutely, man. Stay in touch. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>